board. Me Do you too. see the red lines? Are yes. your red lines moving? So there we have it. We're all set. <laughs> Hi, Bobby. Hi. Welcome back. So for our listeners, you all know Bobby at this point. You have questions from Bobby. Bobby is a full episode. Bobby is voice mem. I mean, Bobby is recurring character on the <laughs> podcast. Guest star, one might say. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to join the union soon if you can. <laughs> uh, um, Bobby, where are you? I am currently in Germany. And how's it going there? Um, it's going okay. Um, you know, I'm not getting government assistance uh, financially because I missed the deadline for that. When I came back to Germany at the very beginning of the pandemic, um, I should have signed up for it directly. And I was, as Bob the Drag Queen would say, pride will be your downfall. And pride was my downfall <laughs> because uh, I'm not getting any money. But I am a part of um, uh, KAV or ZAV. It's the agency that helps dancers get jobs. So I'm a part of an agency. Oh. Okay. Um, and I've gotten uh, some assistance for like German study here. So... I'm doing okay. okay. Very good. Well, as long as you're not, you know, destitute. That's right. And you're in a home, so that's good. That's right. <laughs> but there's no, you're not dancing with the ballet group you were formerly with. No. Right. However, in six weeks, I will be back with Sacramento Ballet. You are kidding. <laughs> Bobby. It's amazing. It's amazing. Bobby, you're coming back to the States. I'm coming back to the States. Basically, it's like finishing out the last part of my contract that was cut off because of COVID. Who is the director of the Sacramento Ballet? Um, it is Anthony Kuzan. Anthony? Kuzan. I don't know who that is. Who's he this? was a dancer. Um, you can find him on YouTube. Ugh, I'm horrible. I cannot remember the company's name. I, I want to say it was like That's Middle right. America. And he okay. was dancing the Big. role of uh, Dracula. And right. um, Ben Stevenson's version, actually, I believe. Ben Stevenson. Who does Ben Stevenson's Dracula? We'll find Pennsylvania out in Ballet. the future. Really? Yes, and I danced it, actually. I danced uh, one of the hounds. Because you're rock school. That's right. Right. <laughs> the famous rock school. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Bobby, today we're talking about two things. Yes. We have a surprise topic. Ooh. Yeah, and then we have a project you're working on, which I just got to see and have been in conversation with you somewhat for the last God knows how long. <laughs> and um, so what do you want to do first? Whatever you feel like. Okay, let's do the project first before I forget anything. Okay, okay. Right, right, right. So why don't you spend a few minutes and explain explain to the listeners what 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 is your motivation and what is the project? Okay, so my motivation is basically I needed money 
and I needed something to do. <laughs> uh-huh. And I was lucky enough to be informed that the German government in North Rhine was fought fallen area. This is like a really sort of dense popular area in Germany, in the West. And um, this was the second round that they were giving money to artists to do something, to create. And I applied. I had this concept. I was like, you know, um, Justin Pack is doing a lot of sneaker ballet. So why couldn't I do a high heel dance? Mm-hmm. So I wrote up a concept and blah, 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 sent it in, and they gave me 6,000 euros. Incredible. Incredible. 2,000 went to a brand new MacBook Air because uh. I knew I was going to be doing the editing of this digital dance video. And then I just started contacting people, contacting videographers, um, contacting people to interview. I got very, very lucky with a trans woman who is the director of VWDR in Essen, Germany. Um, Mm -hmm. An actress that I worked with in a past production, um, I think I spoke about on your podcast, in Nuremberg, and some other people. And yeah, it just all came together. It was a lot of work, a lot of planning, a lot of organizing, which I'm still doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were amazing to help me with my costume that you saw. Well, I mean, I mean, help. I just help sort of doesn't. You guided me. I weighed in. Yeah. <laughs> but I have questions. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about sort of what what are the themes of this video project so the theme main theme is where the viewer is getting a lens to look at freedom of expression through various types of people um it's not only people of the lgbtq plus community it's also allies that means heterosexual people Um, you are getting people that are very young, you are getting people in the middle of the life, you're getting people who are older, um, from various backgrounds, um, international, I have a person who I dance with who is Japanese, so she, that was a lot of work to get her included, and then, um, the dance scenes are men and women wearing the same costume, And I'm playing with quote-unquote roles that men and women tend to be limited to in the dance community. Um, That was interesting. We are dancing in a museum. I was lucky to be hosted by the Emil Schumacher Museum in Hagen. Um, Yeah. And so it's, it's simply just a moment of looking at freedom of expression. I did a lot of research for this and I don't think people have noticed, but we are slowly losing some of our freedoms of expression. Some of us in the world don't have it. Um, I've had conversations where... Well, I mean, I think there have been people... Well, go on, go on, go on, Bobby. I've had conversations where, you know, it's very clear some people never have freedom. Mm-hmm. So um, even just to bring up the word freedom, it's, it's already it's already a lot. 
on this, mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I it was very provocative. I have a lot of questions. Okay. Um, I think the, like, the topics that you offered for the interviewees were really... Um, they were simple in their construct, but like the questions were so huge. Some of them are like almost impossible to answer, but like to hear so many different people's perspectives on these really big ideas about freedom and about accountability was, you know, super interesting, super, um, I think provocative for them to try to answer these questions. And, um, I think in juxtaposition to the dance component of the film, it just like raises a million more questions, yeah. you know? And I think that you're very successful in having done something that really woke me up, really made me want to ask questions. And so for that, like, thank you. Super successful. Um, I, what am I thinking about? I'm thinking about this idea of freedom of expression and I'm thinking about how we have access now to so many ways of communicating, right? Mm -hmm. There's all this social media, there's all of this electronics that allow us to like stay connected through video and through audio and there's podcasts and there's Instagram and TikTok and blah, blah, blah. And there are countries around the world where, you know, there is no access to these things. Right. But I do feel like this kind of abundance of communication and abundance of, of modes of expressivity or communication have made us more aware of when we don't have those freedoms because it's gosh, it is such an interesting question. What was the question that came immediately following um, what is freedom of expression to you? Um, do you agree with it? And there is. Oh, fascinating. There is. Um, I didn't include it because I was really trying not to have a super long project. But mm -hmm. the question before that is um, well, not a question, but I read from United Nations and other global organizations um, definitions for various countries. For example, I read the definition to the people in America, what is written as freedom of expression in America. And then mm -hmm. I read it for Japan, I read it for Germany, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then comes the question that you saw, do you agree with to what you just heard for your country? Right where you live. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's super interesting to hear different people's thoughts on freedom of expression, particularly when you're juxtaposing someone in Japan and then someone who's from the United States and then someone who is from Germany. So mm -hmm. like we have these super different perspectives on what that means and what are the implications of freedom of expression historically in mm -hmm. these countries. You know, so I think that what was so, there was a great deal of wisdom in what this trans woman, who's the director of the WDR, said when they said, um, you know, freedom of expression is 
is also, it also means protecting the freedoms of other people's expressivity. And I thought, well, that is, that is really the accountability, right? That's mm -hmm. where we all have to be accountable for our actions in terms of like feeling free to say and do whatever we want, mm -hmm. you know, because yes, my experience in the United States has been that I can say and do in general, whatever I want, though, I think what there's this misinterpretation now because we from a young age have been taught like, Oh, America's the land of the free. Right? <laughs> yes. And so people now that I don't, I don't understand how this is happening only now. And maybe it's happened throughout history, but people are very upset that their freedoms are being taken away because they have to be held accountable for the health and safety of other Others. people. Mm -hmm. But that has always existed. Yes. You know, there are stop signs and red lights. There are, there are rule, there, there are many vaccines that have existed historically that you can't send your kids to school without measles, mumps, rubella vaccine. So I don't understand like where now people feel there is some difference. And so these questions raised were felt incredibly current, you know, like we do need to be thinking about how we express ourselves and what that means in terms of affecting other people's health and freedom. You know? Well, I, I think that people have forgotten those two things, accountability and responsibility. Mm -hmm. I think people have somehow twisted the word freedom into thinking free to do and be whatever I want. But you have forgotten, you don't live in a bubble. Right. So there are consequences. There are still laws. You Just because you have the freedom to do what you want and maybe what you want to do could kill someone doesn't right. mean you can do that and not get the consequences. Right, because what we say and do affects other people. Other people. It does. Yes. So this was really interesting for me to hear people speaking on these topics and then to see these sound bites in, in juxtaposition to the dance that you made in this space was... And I'm not going to say any of this really as a criticism. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm speaking sort of critically, which is mm -hmm. that it raises all these questions about, you know, the space where the dance is being performed, who mm -hmm. the dancers are, what their access is mm -hmm. in terms of like the way they look, etc. Mm -hmm. And so then you start thinking like, wow, what really there? And there's also something in the way that like you're when you're listening to the interviewees speak on their own manner of dressing and their own relationship to freedom of expressivity. It's like to then see a group of dancers who've been told to wear something by somebody mm -hmm. and to do specific steps by mm -hmm. somebody. It's kind of like, <laughs> it's like, wait, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> um, I want to say, Sorry. No, go, go on. Go, no, go ahead, Bobby. Go, um, Bobby go. I, I just want to say that this section, the, the duet, I was so grateful. Um, the woman that uh, choreographed that, Sarah Pena, um, that, that section came from a work that she did for um, a program called Young Choreographers that I danced in. Mm -hmm. And I asked her mm -hmm. to elaborate 
on that in a different way. And um, yeah, we had many conversations and yeah, she did what she did. And you know, Reed, on that day, it was the last day of filming and we were fighting with time with the sun and there were these people that were outside the museum sitting down watching that people are filming and just sort of so nonchalant or whatever they're just filming but we're there are cameras on both sides so we can see you and we had to repeatedly sort of tell people guys get out of here but it was cool because people were really interested seeing two men wearing dresses and high heels. There wasn't this snickering or hee hee hee, look at that. They were interested. Like, mm. But at the same time, um, please don't s sit or stand and watch because we're filming. But that was right. very, very cool. Well, to, to kind of house these pieces of choreography in public spaces. I don't know. I, I'm I'm also really interested in this idea of like the gallery as mm -hmm. like a space of like expression question mm -hmm. mark. Because yes, they house all these like art expressions. Expression. But but the how but the housing of the of those pieces of art is super controlled. Yes. You know, it's like hyper curated. The whole concept of the museum is like this incredibly well, the whole universe of visual arts is this like super capitalist kind of popularity club. It's like, it's complex. Like all of these arts constructs end up participating in um, oppressions in their own way, yes. in different ways. And so seeing, like hearing people talk about how um, sexual preference and gender expression are not you sort of inextricably tied to one another, you know, mm -hmm. like how you dress is not necessarily an indicator of sexual preference, mm -hmm. etc. Like the way in which you dress all the, co the dancers in more or less the same costume sort of brings that point home because mm -hmm. you're seeing different gendered people who obviously come from different experiences, etc. wearing the same thing, doing more or less the same moves. And you think, yeah, and there you have it. Like we, we, we are not basically like who I am is not what I wear. Yes. Yes. Right. But it is definitely an expression of like what I want or like my desire aesthetically, et cetera. Yeah. But like our very limited sense, at least for people who have subscribed to gender binaries for mm -hmm. a really long time is that like women dress this way and men dress this way. Yes. But I think now what you're doing and, and what, you know, a lot of young people are doing so naturally is that like, they're not subscribing to that. Right. And I feel like that is going, that has been and will continue to be this adjustment that will hopefully just become totally natural yeah. as time goes on. And you know, what's interesting, Reed, um, during my preparation to create and put this all together, um, I learned a lot that it's nothing new. Um, there have been no. people that have expressed themselves uh, non-binary, trans people. All of this is so old, but oh, it's, yeah, for, for some reason, it's now sort of like the buzzword it's it's the end thing 
Um, and one more thing I wanted to share, something that was interesting to me that sort of set this all off. When I was working in Nuremberg, I remember going through the town and I saw this uh, heterosexual couple dressed in the same dress. Mm-hmm. They both are wearing dresses, mm-hmm. but they were a heterosexual couple. In Bavaria, which is one of the most conservative parts of Germany, in Old Town, which is one of the most populated areas in Nuremberg, for me, it was... For me, as an American who has lived in Germany for over 10 years now, I was, wow. Okay, so Germany... Germany is woken up. Well, I think that... There have been people in all cultures for, you know, centuries who've been cross-dressing or, or, you know, like not being confined by, Mm -hmm. by specific modes of gender dressing for a really long time. But it's only now, like, I feel like with social media, Instagram, et cetera, like everyone can see everything now. Yes. You know, so as we get sort of a barrage of images from everywhere of people doing literally kind of whatever they feel like. Yeah. I think it frees up people to like, to lean into their desire. So like Mm -hmm. if I'm a, a young man in a conservative part of Germany, but I've always like sort of lusted after my mother's clothing or whatever, if I'm seeing on Instagram that other people are doing this, maybe it's not such a huge leap to say like, oh, I too can do this. Right. Especially when it's like celebrities, et cetera. Right. Yeah. So that's good. This is, you know, I think like your, your project, um, does a lot in terms of like asking many humongous questions. And it's like this, this line of questioning would merit a much longer project. You know, there's no way to get to the bottom of any of this. But, um, Bobby, good job. You really, like, asking so many questions and, like, trying to educate yourself through the process of making art, which is great. Thank you, Reed. J'adore. Good job. Um, and yeah, I, I... I definitely, like, as a costume person, still have questions. Yes. You know, what... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm still trying to wrap my own mind and my own practice around... Because I certainly find myself trying to engage in accountability all the time with Mm -hmm. my own art practice. You know, like, every time I design something, I have to think, like... What does this mean for the people wearing it? What does it mean for the people viewing it? Like, does it do anything? Does it, like, participate in outdated modes of dress? Like, does yeah. it... Con- I mean, is it confusing enough to, like, mean something? So, yeah, I think, like, as you're moving forward with these kind of projects, you, you're you now going to, like, continually have all of these questions and answers to ask yourself at all points in the process. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever find because you're also a creator, do you ever find sometimes all of these questions that you ask yourself uh, in terms of being self-accountable, that it get a little bit overwhelming or that you feel um, maybe blocked? Oh, yeah. Okay. Of course. Like, 
you know, especially now in 2021, there's a lot of questions that we're really required to ask ourselves that like, maybe we didn't even think about a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And I think with time, those things will become more natural in Mm -hmm. our processes. But obviously like we will be coming against difficult questions that will interrupt our process Mm -hmm. and that's okay. And I think like we all need to do that. I mean, there is of course ways of just like making art carelessly and it can be, you know, very fulfilling for the artist and also fulfilling for some of the people viewing that art. But then again, you know, there's this question of accountability. Like, mm-hmm. are we taking care of everybody? Are we, or are we just taking care of ourselves? Right. Yeah. And so that's the question. Like, do you want to take care of people or do you just want to take care of yourself? And look, it takes a lot more work to take care of other a lot people. Of people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, I think we all just need to keep trying to work as hard as we can while still tapping into our own desires yeah. because like what is the art unless it includes our own desires and it, it becomes not a reflection of ourselves and that's the point right yes. like we're doing this because like we we want to make ourselves happy we want to yeah. be happy and we want to feel expressive yeah or you have something to say you just i have something to say <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to raise your hand anymore, Reed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What else, Bobby? Is that, is that, do you want to talk more about it? When are people going to be able to see it? That's the real question. So the premiere, I'm so, so happy. Um, I am being hosted by the Emil Schumacher Museum in Hagen on October 1st. Um, The the screening will happen at 7 p.m. And they are offering to have an 8 p.m. screening. Um, because of COVID rules, only 45 people are allowed in. So um, they are expecting more than 45 to show. And so there will be an 8 o'clock screening. So I have two screenings. Are you, are you nervous? Are you nervous? I am nervous. I am uh, still, still working on the grammar from the, the German side. And even tonight, I was taking notes while you were watching it. Um, I have some English grammar to fix. Mm. Um, Which is something I've been really fighting about. I now know if I ever do something like this again, I will have to hire a translator. Because I'm, I'm really not interested in... Even though I want to translate it well, that the the person that speaks that language can understand, I don't want to translate it in a way to seem like I'm pushing my own message. I really want it to be authentic to what that person said. And so it's really difficult when you have English speakers who are speaking how they speak, but when it needs to be translated into German, the German's... Some of them are wanting to clean it up. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had one who said, oh, Bobby, I did it this way because otherwise it'll be too provocative. (laughs) And I said, well, that's the point. point. But so those things, and I think if I just hire a professional, they can, 
I hope, could uh, do it better. I think uh, you really found a, a great cross-section of people to ask these questions of because they all have a very different way of speaking. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't feel as if like anyone's voice is more valued than another's. That's good. Regardless of like level of education or like means of kind of verbal articulation. Like right. it really felt like everybody had equally valuable things to say on these yeah. topics, which was so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow, Bobby. Bobby, Bobby. Oh, yes. And it will be, um, sorry, I, I just want to say it will be on the internet on the same day. Internet meaning YouTube and Vimeo. Ooh. Okay, well, we'll do links on the um, Instagram, though. Like, I mean, who's even who's even looking anymore? Bobby? <laughs> um. Okay, Bobby, are you ready for the surprise topic? I am. I'm excited. Okay. Did you do you do you have guesses? I, I do. <laughs> I wonder if it'll be one of my favorite topics, but let's see. If it's not. um okay bobby are you ready i'm ready the surprise topic today is back to school shopping oh my god (laughs) (laughs) okay which is actually one of my my favorite uh moments i mean obviously it's like (laughs) everybody i mean yeah of course like we're everyone's obsessed with that moment, right? When it's like, today's the day. Yes. yes. And so what was that for you as a child? Describe for us, like, the what is the back to school moment? Um, leading up to it or just the day? Well, oh, sure. You can describe the planning process. Okay, so the planning process, um, which goes <laughs> to my mother, who, after a while, you know, mothers realize the system that's going on here. And um, so it was about, let's say, a month before the begging begins. Mom, I want to have. Mom, I need to have. Mom, I got to have. Um, And then we get like two weeks to a week before we're shopping. And, you know, you see the brand new at this time. We're talking like 90s. The brand new Jordans. Um, gotta have those. Or what else was really popular? K-Swiss. Um, Timberland boots. Biggie. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was special. You know, I didn't want the Jordans or the the Timberlands that everyone had. I just wanted the brand, but I wanted something special. And, um, I had, I remember... I'm going to go back to High Point High School. Okay, so this is high school back to school shop. High school, high, high Point High School. Um, so this is when you have already a lot of opinions. A lot of opinions. A lot of opinions. Like spe- specific items. We are, we are very specific at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, even without the internet. Even without oh, the internet. Oh, without the internet. Everything was... Bobby knows. Reed, this is all based on MTV. <laughs> MTV and uh, any sort of 
youthful magazine that was during that time, I can't remember. But MTV, for example, Cross Colors, maybe some of your listeners that are our age will know Cross Colors. You know I have no idea. Like, ugh. And so I'm going to jump to the first day, which, by the way, back to school was like a week or two weeks. No. Of outfits. Read. <laughs> a week or two weeks worth of outfit. And nothing right. can repeat. That means wow. like we can't mismatch and wear these jeans these jeans from this day again in the same week. No 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 no. It has to be everything. So we're talking ten days worth of outfits. Was your mom like no, or was she like, were you trying to bankrupt me? What was going on? Um, I think it got to a point when I got to high school, the system was already developed over time. So she just knew. And it's sort of, it's sort of just you because your little sister's significantly younger. It's, exactly. So it was just me. So, right. and I was a good You're student. Like, so I, you know, like, I give, give it, give it all me. Give, give it all me. All. Mom, I give you good <laughs> grades. I don't make trouble. <laughs> I'm home when you say I need to be, so you can do it. Wow. Amazing. And just like getting on the school bus read. It's the show. It's a show. Really? It's a show. Can you believe? Can you believe my <laughs> And read. <laughs> you know, I wasn't so cool. Like I couldn't sit in the back where the really cool kids were, but I was in the middle. So I wasn't wow. the nerds or whatever in the front. And that, you know, at this time, it's sort of, it's important. (laughs) This is, this story is making me very grateful for school uniform. But I can say um, I did have an experience that sort of made me realize this is too much. Mm -hmm. I want to say it was like the first week of back to school or this, it could have been the second week. I never would forget this day and getting on the school bus. I stepped on the back of one of the senior students' shoes. Oh, no. Rita almost lost my life. (laughs) It was was a major, like, did you just step on my shoes? Checking the shoe. Is it scuffed? Is there a mark? Thank God I didn't leave a mark, but I can only imagine if I did. Ruining lives. Ruining lives. And And I was a big boy, but, you know, those... Seniors didn't care. You're a freshman. I will kill you. So, <laughs> I think um, also, you know, once I left that school and went to Duke Ellington, all this was over. I became right. an artist. An artist. Right. So. Well, this is interesting. I, I obviously was always in the kind of art school. So, like, I wasn't so preoccupied with the clothes. Though, when I think on it, it's like, your parents really have to buy you all new clothes every year because you're growing. You just keep getting bigger, which is so crazy. <laughs> and um, so the clothes I wasn't so specific about. I knew I'd be mostly in uniform. And as for the other stuff, it was just like, I don't know. I had a very mm, sort of like <laughs> like rinse and wear style. It was just like <laughs> cotton shirt, cotton pant. Like that had no style, essentially. Okay. But... Can you guess for for me, like, what do you think was the most exciting part of back to school shopping? Hmm. You had a uniform. 
Um, it's not clothes. It's not clothes, Bobby. Glasses? And, well, no, the glasses were always... Okay, okay. So then, <laughs> it's utensils and specific... Utensils, Bobby? Where are you going to school? Utensils? No, like, whatever you need. Like, uh, what are those things? Like uh, School supplies. School supplies. That's it. That's it, Bobby. School but supplies with, are my passion. But... What what, what what did you need? <laughs> That's exactly right. It didn't matter. Like every pencil, every pen, every binder, every folder was so considered. It was okay. really like wow. it has to be. It's just like once you got to the drugstore or wherever it was that you were getting the oh, like I treasured like reinforcements. Remember those? Those were those little stuff oh, you put over the whole yeah treasure. Love all that stuff. Oh A pencil God. case that goes in the binder. Can you imagine? The beauty of sexy Bobby wasn't concerned. Bobby was concerned about sneakers. I was concerned about the additional eraser that fits onto the eraser of your pencil. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was like, for me, that was pre-high school. We're talking like elementary. Those things were important. I carried it with me. I wow. carried it with me always. Wow. <laughs> I know. What ballpoint pens do I get this year? You know, what is the pencil sharpener? I Meanwhile, I'm labeling all my pencils with my initials. R dot B dot. Why? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Boarding school, Bobby. Boarding oh. school. Because I can only understand you doing that because maybe you had an experience that someone took a pencil or a pen from you. So you felt no, like you need like to that. do that. And also the deep, deep pleasure of like figuring out the kind of size that your initials needed to be in 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 the context of the pencil itself you know Read. quite small oh yeah oh my god bobby okay then here's a question for you because younger bobby a little bit like this not so much but the lunchbox was very important to me Oh, interesting okay lunchbox is a whole sort of blind spot in my history because oh. My mom got my brother and I these very, like, modern minimalist lunchboxes when we were little kids at elementary school. Like, his was blue, mine was red. They were just flat-colored plastic. They had no <laughs> images, matching thermos. And But my mom, honestly, rarely pulled it together to make a box lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so we had these chic, modern minimalist lunchboxes. We, they weren't getting used much. So that was my entire... That's my entire lunchbox experience. Oh, mine was yeah, quite the opposite. I oh, had yes. the very popular Thundercats. Gorgeous. And I have the wait, very... Wait, wait, wait. I have a question. Is this a plastic lunchbox or a plastic. tin lunchbox? Plastic. But I had both. Okay. So yes. at, this, at this part, elementary, I was very cartoon heavy. Thundercats yeah. and Transformers... And, um, um, is it called Seahawks? What? I think it's called Seahawks. 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 There were the space family that lived in space and they were like half human and half cyborg. And they were sort of like heroes. It was amazing. Amazing. How do I not know it when I too am a Thundercats child? Okay. So then, you know, Seahawks. It was like, there was like this, it was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And there was, um, the villain was like some crate, this crazy guy with orange hair. And he rode this ship that looked like a squid. Wow. 
Yeah. Bobby, no Seahawks. bells have rung. Okay. Not a one. Okay, no one but bell. do you remember also? So there was Thundercats, Transformers, Seahawks, GI Joe. I was she. I was She-Ra. I was all. And He Man and She-Ra. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um. But I had both so the plastic and the tin. I try. I love love a tin lunchbox with a cartoon yeah. vignette on the front, though I never had one. But I oh. I did like staring at the ones of my friends, thinking. <laughs> Look at me, look at me eating this like square of pizza from the cafeteria when you have this beautiful box lunch. (laughs) (laughs) There was a Polish girl in my like third or fourth grade class and she'd come in with the most exquisite, exquisite box lunches of foods I've never seen, you know, from the Polish market. Oh, to be you to live your life. You know, that's what I want. Wow. But you know what? It's all worked out. It all worked out. And and so anyways, that's back to school shopping. But now we've apparently moved on to, to lunch, which as a ballet dancer, it was all I cared about. It was all I thought about the whole day. I thought, what, when's lunch? So I was indeed packing myself lunch every day for years as a ballet dancer. And it became very consistent. It became peanut butter jelly sandwich on like a whole grain bread. It became some kind of piece of cheese, a baby bell, generally, a little Ziploc of crackers, an apple, and a yogurt. That was it. Okay. You know, I've always been a little bit jealous of you dancers that have started at a young age because I started very late. Probably and too, Bobby. Well, no, Reed, I started at 15 at Duke Ellington. Late. Yeah, me too. I started at 15 at Interlochen. Oh, amazing. Okay. But, yeah, the school lunches at Duke... It was like your typical public school lunch. Um, and the idea of dancers, I'm going quotations, dancers' body didn't quite mm-hmm. arrive. So uh-huh. I was eating all of the lunch. <laughs> all of it. And I'm, I'm sorry to your listeners, I'm about to get dark. But once I left Duke Ellington, once I graduated... Um, I had a sort of blip at Maryland Youth Ballet, and then I jumped over to the rock school, and that's when it got dark. And no lunch. You remember that Gelsey Kirkland book? Was it like? Well, are you sure you're not talking about? Oh yeah, yeah, dancing on my grave. You're dancing on my grave. The sliced apples with the spoonful of cottage cheese. I was. I became that. Well, wait, Bobby, did you ever read Allegra Kent's The Dancer Body book, where she literally lays out a week's worth of meals? No, but read, I, uh, the dark part is, I was doing cotton balls with honey. No. Yes. Bobby, no. And read, I got super thin, and such reinforcement from teachers, just like, <gasps> you course. look amazing, blah, 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 blah. Wait, Meanwhile, Bobby, will you describe... What it feels like to eat a cotton ball with honey. I just want to wrap my mind around it. Um, so you take several cotton balls. You dip them, or I would dip, dip we them. We shouldn't be teaching our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I would dip them in honey. And um, yeah, just there's no chewing involved. You're just sort of oh, num, 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 and swallow. And maybe wow. I, I, I remember yogurt, some type of yogurt. Water or cola because I needed the sugar. And Bobby, the for those of you who don't know, Bobby, Bobby's tall. I mean, tall, we're talking a big person. Big person. But Reed, when I got to the rock school, this was during the rock school have gone through several 
It's always been an international place, but the year I got there was very heavy with French. Oh, no. And we had Fabrice Carmel's was there from Paris Opera. So, bodies. I know. And so, I just had the pressure of, well, if this is what I want. I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah. Yeah, God. But I, I made it. You I got really past did, it. Bobby. You super made it. And <laughs> what's interesting is that that never happened to me, right? Like I started doing ballet. I was always slim, and I just never felt any pressures about like being less slim or sm- smaller in any way. Mm. That was never. I never felt that. But then, so now to be coming to be moving into my middle age, as they say, um, <laughs> and to 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 suddenly be confronted with like, oh, your body is different or changing. That's, mm-hmm. it, that, that's that been hard, different for me because I didn't have it as a young person. Mm. This is very interesting. So in six weeks, I go back to SAC. Reed, I have already started... Restrictive eating. Restrictive eating. And today, <laughs> because it's Monday, I was like, okay, we're going to we're gonna get to these workout programs and... Um, uh-huh. I'm going to do it slow so that I come back well. So next week I will start class in my home. But um, yeah, we're older, and um, don't, just don't, you don't have to tell me. Just got to do more, like you, more. Everything happens so much slower. Slow, read slow, slow. I know. Remember when you were like, "Oh, I can get in shape in three days." Also, like when you'd get injured, you were better in two days. Yeah. Now you, I stub a toe. Two hours <laughs> later, my toe still hurts. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, Bobby, I have to go shopping with my mom now. But oh. God, I, I wish you the best for going back to the states to be in a ballet company. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. At your age. Bobby, at your age. Here's the thing that I don't know if your viewers have seen dance and stuff. Um, weeks ago, a friend of mine, the Sarah Pena, um, we watched Sylvie Guillaume's documentary. Do you Which know one? that um, it's the latest one? Um, oh, the Danielle Simpson Yes. One. Oh, I watched it. Was she there? retired at 51, Reed. Yeah. I and know. did you see what she was doing on that stage? I, I saw it live. I saw her retirement performance. What? You were oh, there. Yeah. But her well, she did that tour where she was like, This is it, everybody. Right. And so I went and I said, the leg is still all the way. All the way. <laughs> all the way. All all the way. Fifty Can't go further, really, because you know, your leg <laughs> gets in the way. <laughs> Fifty one. Incredible. But here's the thing. You have to she was literally being plunged into buckets of ice as soon as she'd get off stage from a young age. You know, she was taking care. And she had the means and the kind of privilege to be able to do that because she was like, I heard about her rider when she was like doing performances and I heard someone from the Joy Cedar was like, oh yeah, and her rider for performances, like she's staying at the most expensive hotel closest to the theater. Like we're talking the Mandarin Oriental, right? She's staying at the most expensive hotel. She's getting literally, they need to have a kiddie pool full of ice directly off stage for when the performance is over. Do you know what I mean? Like, there are things, specific things that are happening for her every day so that she could do that. Yeah. I, I, I can't, you know, I was 
lucky enough to be invited to audition for National Ballet of Canada in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And we got a tour of the company. Um, at the time, Hamilton was my partner. They have also this giant tub. It's like a jacuzzi ice of ice. Ice. I can't oh, yes. read. I, I, I just... When we go to the sauna here in Germany, people splash themselves with ice cold water. Ice and I just... Jump into the ice. Read, I, I don't I understand too, it. I too have never been able to do it. I can. I got to a point where I could really stick my lower legs into an ice bucket for a while. That I can do. But I, the people who get the whole body in... I can't do it. Football I know. players. I realize it has its benefits, but it's not for me. I'd rather just be in pain and take an out. <laughs> I know. Okay, Bobby. Okay. I love you. Say goodbye love to you listeners. Too. Goodbye, listeners. We love you. We love you, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay, Bobby. Let's push not record anymore. Stop oh. recording.